Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Amen. It's, a, it's the gift that He gives us, that He allows us and desires for us to worship Him. And so we're delighted for that this morning. Well, ready or not, here it comes. Uh, whether your tree is assembled, whether you've hung your wreath, whether you've purchased any gift or not, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. With all the hustle and all the bustle and all the fuss and all the frenzy, here comes Christmas right? Christmas is an interesting holiday because what it does is it uh, plays on our imagination. Let me see if I can prove that to you. You cannot enjoy Christmas if you do not have an imagination, right? So, so here's how Christmas plays on our imagination. We, we use our imagination to the point that snowmen come alive, right? Uh, that deer, their nose begin to blink, yeah, that fat men can slide down chimneys that, okay, so there is a, all right, see, some of y'all, some of y'all have limits to your imaginations, okay, but I have come to this conclusion that even those of us that know the true meaning of Christmas and what it's all about, even we pull on our imagination when it comes to Christmas, we imagine what it must have been like in the little town of Bethlehem on the day, the night, the morning, whatever it is, depends on which carol you're singing, that Jesus was born, right? We, we imagine what it was like. And so in our mind, we create these scenes that we now call nativity scenes. And, and, and there's this little uh, stick figure barn, and, and the, the animals are not actually acting like animals. They're like, they're, they're, they don't smell like animals. They don't, they, don't be, they don't do what animals do because this is about Jesus. So we imagine that it's the perfect little scene, the nativity scene, the animals are behaving, they're clean, it's like this wholesome environment that, 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 that the hay was actually really soft, that, 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 that okay, some of y'all, y'all struggle, so, so we, we made, we, this nativity scene, it's complete with shepherds on one side gazing into the face of this newborn king, and on the other side, there are wise men looking at my baby Jesus, my sweet baby Jesus, and, and, and it's just perfect, and, and I came this morning to uh, mess up your beautifully constructed, perfectly placed nativity scene. Um, I hate to do this to these uh, $1,000 crystal uh, wood hand carved out of olive tree nativity scenes that you have displayed all over your house, but I got to mess it up because that's that nativity scene that we become so familiar with and that we have imagined probably isn't very accurate. Uh, in, in fact, um, uh, the shepherds and the wise men probably didn't even arrive at the same time. They probably didn't even ever see each other. Okay, some of y'all already hating me and like, okay, uh, and, and so, 
So uh, they arrive at different times. Uh, but that's okay because we're going to focus this Christmas season on the wise men. And what we recognize is that they arrive at a different time because they traveled a great distance to come and pay homage to this newborn king. And maybe that's the first lesson we need to stop and just consider just for a moment this morning. It's just kind of a side note that the distance that you may feel from Jesus doesn't really matter. What matters is, is that you begin the journey towards him. The, 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 they, they, they seem, it seems like they were late to arrive on the scene, and we'll read it in just a second. It seems like maybe they'd been delayed or deterred, and they traveled this great distance. But, but the, the, the important thing is not the distance they traveled or how far they were away from Jesus. And the same is true for you this morning. It doesn't matter really how far you may feel from Jesus. What matters is whether you start taking the steps necessary to getting to Jesus. Because this is what they teach us, that you may be the first, this person away from Jesus but as you take steps towards him you will one day find him if you continue to take the steps and so I just want to encourage you this morning it doesn't really matter how far you are from him what matters is that you begin a journey towards him so now let me go back to messing up your nativity set in Matthew I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 2 I'm going to read to you this account and I'm going to show you that our nativity sets are all messed up all right are you ready this is out of the message Bible it's talking about the three wise men it says this instructed by the king they being the wise men set off then the star appeared again the same star they had seen in the eastern skies it led them on until it hovered over the place of the child and they could hardly contain themselves they were in the right place they had arrived at the right time. They entered, here it is, here it is, they entered the house. Okay, y'all didn't like it because y'all start to pack your Christmas decorations up. They, they entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother, and overcome, they kneeled and worshipped him. Then they opened their luggage, and I would love to take the time to talk to you about the fact that you can lay all of your baggage at Jesus' feet, and he can deal with it, but that's a whole different message. Uh, so, Selah, word, all right? They opened their luggage, and they presented gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Did you hear it? Did you, did you spot the nativity destroyer in there? They, 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 they entered the house. If you go into Luke, Luke describes this scene a little differently. He, Luke doesn't even talk about the wise men necessarily. He talks about the shepherds, that they come into this uh, animal house, this barn, if you will, and, and there they see the child, the, the infant in a manger. But now Matthew says that the wise men enter a house, and Mary is holding a child. So the wise men arrived at a different time. But um, what I want to do this, this season uh, is something we've never really talked about before. I don't necessarily want to talk about the wise men's punctuality during the season. What I want to talk about is the wise men and their gifts this season. I, I, I want us to spend the next few weeks examining these, these particular gifts that they brought and they 
presented to Jesus. So, so, so here's some things we need to look at. We need to look at the, let's look at the first one. They present this uh, first gift. The first wise man steps up to the plate when he sees Jesus and he's overcome. That says they were overcome and couldn't contain themselves. And he unzips his, his carry-on luggage and out of his carry-on luggage, he presents to Jesus and to Mary and to Joseph this package and it contains cha-ching gold. Right? Gold. Um, the gift of gold has been scrutinized down through the ages. You can go read all kinds of stuff about this gift. Uh, it's been claimed that this was the gift that financed uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus' escape to Egypt because you do know that uh, the, the, the king or the, the controller of the land was nervous that Jesus would overthrow the Roman rule and unseat him. And so he puts out word that all little boys under the age of two had to be killed. And all of a sudden, somehow, these this poor family that just had a baby and has to pay the doctor. Well, there wasn't a doctor. They, they had to buy candy cigar, uh, bubble gum cigars to pass out. And they had to buy the storks to put in the yard. And they had to buy all the diapers and the formula and and the special baby cribs and the car seats that fit in chariots and on donkeys and and all this added expense and this poor family all of a sudden has the resources necessary to escape via a long journey and take up residence in a foreign land. And many have looked at this gift of gold and says that out of these gifts that the one that, that would have been able to cause them to have this ability, these resources to escape was the gold. It was the gift that made this trip possible. On a side note this morning, may I just say this to you, could it be the gift that you continue to present to Jesus that makes it possible for certain people to escape? Could it be that the gift that you are willing to present makes it possible for people to find salvation? Could it be the mundane, looked-over little gift that you feel like nobody even notices that you give every week by opening a door or handing someone a bulletin or patting them on the back or greeting them or loving on them? Maybe it's the, 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 the smile at work when everybody else has a frown. Maybe it's the word of, uh, of encouragement at work when everybody else is discouraged. Maybe it's the life of integrity that you think nobody notices. Maybe it's your small little gift that enables somebody to find salvation because they see Jesus in you. So I want to encourage you during this season, you got to give your gift. You got to be willing, even though you may not think your gift matters, you got to continue to give your gift because it might be your gift that makes it possible for someone to escape the enemy and escape destruction. One of the lessons from this gift that is given is that it is, it is very important for us to present our best gift to Jesus. When we approach the gift, we should bring gifts, and they should be our best gifts. And I just want to mention to you this morning that our best gift, gift has nothing to do with cost. It has everything to do with value. 
There's a difference. We don't understand that difference very much in America, but but because we are all caught up on the cost. Yeah, I paid $900 for this phone, but it won't make any phone calls, but it costs a lot. It has no value, but it costs a lot. So I want that phone so I can tell everybody that I had the resources necessary to spend a bunch of money that costs me a lot, but it has no value. I got into $700 shoes that fall apart in two weeks, but I don't really care because they cost me a lot. So Okay, because see, some of y'all thinking about kids, but but don't we do the same? I, I've got this really expensive car that I can't, it costs me a lot. It has no value because I can't afford to get the oil changed, and it has no value because it broke down, and I can't afford to get it fixed now, but, but it costs me a lot. Listen, our best gifts to Jesus have nothing to do with cost and have everything to do with value. So we are taught by this gift that we must present what is most valued and most precious to Jesus. So I just want to ask you this morning, what is the most valued gift that you could give him? What is the most valuable thing that you could give him? What is the most treasured thing that you could give him? And then the question has to be asked, have you given it to him? For instance, may I say, could, could your most valued treasure be your finances? Uh, you got nervous right now, but have you given it to him? Maybe your most treasured gift is your worship, but have you just been going through the motions and so there's no real value there? Is your most treasured gift your time and have we been skipping out? Is your most treasured gift your service? But I, I have been holding back because I, I just didn't know if I could bring that and give it to him. Jesus deserves our most valued and our most precious gifts. So why is that so important? Because I, I, I think that Jesus made it very clear later on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He comes to this point and he says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus had this understanding that if we don't come to this place in our life where we lay at Jesus' feet what we value most, that that thing that we value most will become our king and will steal our worship. Okay, all right, that didn't go over great. So uh, Jesus understood that what we value most will set up thrones on our heart. And so he's got, he said you've got to come to this place where, where you understand that your heart follows your treasure. So you have to come to this place where your treasure is submitted to the kingship of Jesus. It's been said that that uh, this this gold gift is significant because gold is in those days was and maybe even today <laughs> is a gift that would be presented to a king. This this gold was a if you will it was a prophetic declaration being made over Jesus even as an infant even even though Jesus uh, as an infant um, didn't understand come on let's let's be real here Jesus was hundred percent man hundred percent God he 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 was a baby I mean babies do two three things they cry they eat well four things they sleep if you're lucky. And they need their diaper changed, right? Jesus was a baby. Don't, don't clean this up and make this like a nativity set where Mary never needed diapers. Come on, y'all. Okay. Uh, so, so, so as an infant, as a baby, unaware 
if you will, of what's going on around him, this wise man shows up and brings the gift of gold and in so doing makes a prophetic declaration representation of what is taking place he's literally saying i'm anointing you i i recognize i i acknowledge you as king and so i i gold i bring gold because that's fit for a king perhaps the importance of the gift isn't the gift itself but rather what it says about the one that received the gift because what the gift says is that, that it's, a, it's a stark reminder to us that during this Christmas season, during this, this imagined uh, scene that we create in our own head of this little baby and it's so cute and so cuddly and he oohs and gagas and, and, and all, you know, all that stuff that we wrap up around babies. Maybe the gift reminds us that Jesus is a king. He's a king. It's absolutely crucial, I believe, that we start this season and we reassert the fact that Jesus is the heir to the throne and that Jesus is supposed to own the throne of our life, that He is a King. Because if we are not careful, we will acknowledge, his, acknowledge Him as King but never submit to Him and give Him the kingdom because we see Him as a kid rather than as a king. This wise man submits gold. The, the presentation of this gold was the coronation pres present for what Isaiah had already prophetically declared. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we read this one at Christmas time. But I want you to hear what he's saying. This wise man has clued in to what Isaiah was saying. He recognizes that Isaiah was right when he says this, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Listen to this. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this wise man recognized I'm bringing gold and I'm laying it at this baby's feet because the government will be on his shoulders y'all y'all missed it because see we don't we don't we're we're in a democracy so we don't understand this idea of king and rule and reign but this wise man understood that the government will be upon his shoulders he is a king he is the rule he is the reigning one he is the running one he is the only one who can shoulder the government of the kingdoms of this world and the government of our life on his shoulders Jesus had some big shoulders. Jesus can run, get up under your the kingdom of your life and he can sustain the pressure and sustain the pain. And, so, and he can handle all of that. Not just because he was Savior, but because he was king. The government is on his shoulders. The gift of gold asserts the need then to establish Jesus and we throw, this, we, we throw this around to the point that we don't even think about what we're saying. It, it points to the need to establish Jesus as the Lord. The closest some of us are ever going to get to understanding this is by understanding the idea of the Lord of the rings. They're the Lord. He controls territory. He rules territory. He is established as the ruling one. 
and we need to assert that. Isaiah shows us then this because this is what this is the crux of the matter for me. If Jesus is king, and I'm going to present and crown him as king of my life, and 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 I I see the 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 picture painted for me by the gold. I lay it at Jesus' feet, and I say because so many of us have done this, I say he's my king. He's my king. He's my king. Then I have to say this and ask this. How do we know for for sure? How do we really know whether we've actually throned Jesus in our life? How? Well, Isaiah answers for us. Isaiah shows us that when we allow the government of our life the kingship, the lordship of Jesus to be established in our heart, in our life. There are signs that follow. Are y'all, are y'all with me this morning? Because I want to know, is Jesus really my king or do I just call him king? I, I, I need to know, do, have I really allowed him to take the government of my life Beyond me just saying it because it sounds good on a Sunday morning in Passion Church when I sing, I lay everything at his feet. When the truth of the matter is I've laid nothing at his feet. And when I walk out, I take it all with me. How do I know? What are the signs? Jesus, how will I come to the conclusion that I've actually made you, established you, put the crown on your head, put the gold at your How? How? Prove it. I'm asking you to prove it. Isaiah tells us. Stay with me. Here's the first sign. There's no confusion. What are you talking about? Isaiah says that the government will be upon his shoulder and his name, who he is, because names are important, we will call him Wonderful Counselor. Uh, Most of you in your Bible, there's a comma there. There should not be. It's Wonderful Counselor. So that as I'm, I've, I, I have established him as the rule and reign of my life, then I will know that he's my king because there will be no confusion. Because the Bible declares that God is not the author of confusion. Therefore, Isaiah declares this, that he is the wonderful counselor. So when I have issues and problems and fights and feuds and anger and and hurt and pain, I have somebody to run to so that he can straighten out my life and answer my question so there's no confusion. So there's no confusion. So there's no confusion. And where there is no confusion, then the result is peace peace. In fact, Isaiah doubles down. Isaiah starts it out and says, when you give him the rule of the government, he becomes your wonderful counselor. He starts that way. And at the end, he starts, it's like he's thinking, oh my word, when you make him wonderful counselor, now at the end I can turn around and say, he's also the prince of peace. Because when there's no confusion, There's peace. How many of us go through life claiming that Jesus is our king, but at every turn there's confusion. At every turn there's chaos. At every turn there's this this just combobulation of all this craziness in our life, and there's no peace. The absence of peace speaks to the absence of a king. Isaiah said we would know that Jesus is king because our life would scream peace, and there would be no 
confusion. And I just want to tell you this morning that some of us need to reestablish Jesus as king and reestablish him as Lord because as we do that, we will allow the peace of Christ to come into our life and set up rule and reign. You will know whether Jesus is your king by whether you're confused or not. The second thing that we recognize this morning is that according to Isaiah, not only will there be no confusion, but there will be no challenge because he is an almighty God. Well, what does that mean? That means I don't get to argue with him. He's not a democratically elected president. He is the king. So when king says, no, I don't bow up and say, I don't like your answer. When he says, yes, I don't get to dig my heels in and say, I'm not doing that. Whether I don't care whether you want me to because he will send you to the pit of misery. Some of y'all are going to catch that sometime this afternoon. See, I watch TV too. So, because he's the king. He's the almighty God. I don't get to negotiate. I don't get to argue. I don't get to put up a fuss. I don't get to say, I don't like your way. I don't trust. Because when we start that, what we're really saying is this. You're not my king. There's no challenge. He's the almighty God. How many of us claim him as king, but we behave or live like he isn't almighty or that his reach is limited? So when his we con- contrive that his my issue is beyond his reach, check this out. We try to fix things ourselves. We take matters into our own hands. And when we do that, we're saying to him, you're not my king and you're not an almighty God. And Isaiah says this, you will know that he is the king and that the government of your life is resting upon his shoulders when you don't argue with him and you recognize that he's an almighty God and that he has your, your steps ordered and your life planned and he's got great thoughts towards you and he wants to prosper you even when you're in pain. So when you're going through it, you just go, he's an almighty God he's an almighty God he's an almighty God he's an almighty God so I can trust him when I can't trace him he's an almighty God I'll follow him even when he when he bothers me just a little bit and I will trust him even when he makes me uncomfortable and I will trust him when he sends me through the valley of the shadow through the valley of the shadow of death I will pass through because he's an almighty God so there's no confusion and there's no challenge and Isaiah says there's no close he's an everlasting father oh okay so 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 we're so now oriented that we forget that the decisions that we make now have eternal implications and we know that Jesus is king of our life when we recognize that what we are doing right now we're establishing him as the king of my life now not just for now not just so I'll feel good right now not just so I, I, I'll get the blessings right now not just so I can join a club called Christianity right now not just so they'll accept me at Passion Church right now not just so I can wear my Christian t-shirts right now but I establish him as, a, as king because he's an everlasting father so I recognize that the decisions that I'm making right now to king him in my life will have eternal implications there is no end to his rule there is no end to his reign there is no 
close. The choices that we make in this life have implications for us in the next life. He isn't just our good, good father now. He is. He goes beyond that. He's a good father right now. Yes, he is. Maybe nobody else in the room believes it, but yes, he is. He's a good, good father right now, but he is also my everlasting father. There's no close. That's why Isaiah comes back and he just can't contain himself out of verse 6. He comes into verse 7 and he says this, His ruling authority will grow. Ah, oh, you missed it. That means the first day you bow down at an altar, whether in this building or some other building or in your bedroom or in your car, the first day that you bow down to him and say, Jesus, you're my Lord and my King, Isaiah comes along and he says his rule will continue to grow. He ought to have more authority in your life now than when you first got to know him. He, you ought to obey more readily now than when you first got to know him. You ought to be willing to do what he says now more willingly than what when you first met him because his rule his authority will grow and then he says and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings so from the day that you meet him until the day that you meet him y'all missed it from the day that you met him until the day that you meet him huh. From the day that you first got acquainted with him and you look through a, a, a cloud and a, and, a, and a glass kind of vaguely and you, you get glimpses of him till the day that you walk into his presence, his reign and his authority should continue to be established and should swell up and should get bigger and more authoritative in our lives because there's no close. So wise men brought him gold. My question for you this morning is, is, have you approached him as king? Have you allowed him to take up the authority, the seat of authority in your life? Have you given over the government? Y'all missing that whole concept right there. Have you given him the government? means you get to say that's that, that means Jesus you get to tell me where I work that tells me that 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 says you get to tell me who I spend my time with that tells me that that you get to put the stamp of approval or veto on any relationship in my life any purchase I make any decision whew, any post because you have the government of my life. Have you allowed Jesus to take up the place of government in your life? I wonder if you examine your life this morning, if your life is marked by the wisdom of his counsel. I wonder if your life is marked by the peace of his power. I wonder, is your life marked by the understanding that you are living some, for something beyond just today and just now, that there are eternal implications for this relationship? Because if you would bring him gold, is this the corner? If you would bring him gold, and you take a gift and you unwrap it, and it's my most valued treasure, and I lay it at your feet, it is then and only then that you've established him as who he is, King.
I'm asking you this morning to king him. Don't just lord him. Don't just savior him. King him. King him. That's some of y'all never played checkers in your life. Forget chess. The king is weak in chess. Jesus is the king in checkers. Because when you king in checkers, he's bad. I mean, he can go every direction, into every direction of my life. He can move at will. He can back up and pick things off. He can overcome traps. He can help you take the offensive when you've been playing defense all your little life. When you're king. So this morning as we enter Christmas season, I don't want you to see me as just a baby. Don't go home and like get a baseball bat and crush all your nativity sets. But I am asking you to rethink this a little bit and understand that he's more than just a little baby in a cute little story. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Will you stand with me this morning? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. His ruling authority will grow and there will be no limits to the wholeness Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I know about Jesus. I may even have accepted Jesus as my Savior, but I need to reestablish Jesus as the ruling, reigning, government-bearing king in my life this morning. Would you raise your hand? You can pull it right back down. Yes, I thought so. I thought so. I want to establish him as king. Nobody else has access to the throne. Nobody else deserves the throne. Only Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, you're my king. Jesus, you're my king. So, Father, this morning, corporately together, we declare, we, we, we agree with the declaration made by the wise men by his presence. You are the king. We crown you as king. We establish you as king. We give you the rule and the reign of our life like who you really are, you're the king. You're not just somebody we add to our life for fire insurance. You're not somebody we just join to our life in hopes that you'll bless us. You are the king. You're the king. We proclaim you're the king. You're the king, Jesus. You're the king. We could call you all kinds of stuff. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. You're the king. That's who you really are. We see who you really are. You're the king. We declare you're the king. You're the king. Because you're the king, I ask that out of that you would bring us to a place in our life where there's no confusion. Father, I come against every spirit of confusion that may exist in someone's heart or mind or family or situation right now. What we recognize today is that if there's confusion present, it's not from you. It is not from you. And we know the solution to that confusion is simply this. For the king to walk in. Because when the king walks in, so does peace. 
So, Father, I pray in this, this moment right now that you would allow the peace of Christ to settle on our hearts and our minds, even if it means we don't understand, even if it means we don't like it. I pray that we would allow you to be the king so that there could be peace. Father, I pray that in this moment you would show up like this too. I pray that as king there, there would be no challenge anymore. What you say goes. You're the man. You're the one. You have all authority here. And we no longer argue. We don't negotiate with you. Our response is simply what we've said before is yes, sir. Because you're the king. Father, if there's anyone in this room or watching over the internet this morning that has been battling in their mind with you, they've been challenging your authority. They've been challenging the, 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 the solutions that they sense you're sending. They don't like it. It makes them uncomfortable. I pray that all the arguments would stop and they would acknowledge you as king. Father, we also know this. There's no close to your kingship. I'm asking for every one of us, including myself this morning, that the authority that you have would begin to grow in my life because I recognize that if I will allow your authority to grow, wholeness is the byproduct of your authority being established in my life. And there are some incomplete people under the sound of my voice this morning that are not whole. They may be healed, but they're not whole. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that wholeness would come into fulfillment and in, into residence in our life. Based upon this fact, we let your authority grow. in Jesus' name. Would you do this with me? Would you turn right now to someone on your row, and I just want you to look them dead in the eye and just say this, King Him. Come on, tell them. King Him. King Him. King Him. He deserves it. Okay, y'all don't even know what you just did. Because now He's King. That means He has the authority to double jump. That means he has the authority to go into every area of your life. Come on, turn to your neighbor again and say, king him. Because now, if they're going to king him, what you're telling them is there's no off limits. Come on, tell them there's no off limit areas of your life now. He's king. And can we make a covenant together this morning as passion, as a family? Would you do this with me on the count of three, and then I'll get out of your way. On the count of three, could we just say this to, to, this morning? On the count of three, Jesus is king. Can, can, I know it's Christmas and we want to say, Jesus is a baby. No, he's not. He's king. All right? Can, can, we want to say, Jesus is cute. No, that's not accurate. Jesus is king. On the count of three, are you ready? Oh, you ain't. I want you. No, you ain't. Jesus is king. Come on. Come on now. We're talking like, like, like king. So when the king walks in the room, 
golf claps. Who's the king? We give him our most valued treasure. All right. So here we go. On the count of three, let's 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 declare him like we actually know who we're talking about. All right. On the count of three. One. Are you ready? I don't know if you're ready. He's king. I'm gonna back up. One. Two. Oh, you still ain't ready. Okay. Okay. Here we go. I gotta get you in. Are you ready? One. Two. Three. Jesus is king. Okay, you almost got it. All right, one more time. One, two, three. Jesus is king. One more time. One, two, three. Jesus is king. Now, would you give him a praise that's worthy of a king? We worship you, Jesus. You're our king. 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 Hail the king. You are our king. We worship you. We exalt you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.